It's Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? It's called irony. Ever heard of it? I am sympathetic as hell to the loss of life that just occurred on the Titan submersible, but the irony is not lost on me. (laughs) I know. I feel completely awful and I feel so bad for the families, but it's wild how similar it is. You put billionaires on a vessel that ignored safety to go down and gawk at billionaires on a vessel that ignored safety. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but... The Netflix documentary writes itself with this whole story. Oh, billionaires. You guys have so much money, you guys don't know what to do with it. There has been so much information put out over the past week on this submersible during the search and rescue and all of the information that has come out after that. So we just want to bring you interesting things or things that we've uncovered that aren't the normal 10 facts that you've been hearing over and over again about the submersible. And then we'll talk about Titanic as our nostalgia section. A little bit of the real Titanic and maybe a little bit of the Titanic movie. (laughs) I went to the library today. I got this book from the children's section on Titanic. It's called Eyewitness Books Titanic. Discover the luxury of this famous ship and the exploration of its remains on the ocean floor. So I am an expert now (laughs) in all things Titanic. So in case you were wondering where my expertise for this episode came from today, thank you to the public library. (laughs) One of the facts that I grabbed onto so tightly when this whole thing was coming about was the CEO of Ocean Gate, Stockton Rush, his wife, Wendy Rush, and her connection to the Titanic, right? So you've probably heard by now that her great, great, grandparents were on the Titanic and they died on the ship. But we just wanted to sort of circle that back for you in (laughs) case you weren't entirely sure what that meant because they were literally the two old people that were in the movie Titanic Mm -hmm. who refused to board the lifeboats. Well, the man was offered a lifeboat. He refused to board. And the wife refused to board without her husband. Yeah. And so the two of them went back to their room, onto their coberta. <laughs> <laughs> they went onto the coberta in their room and just like cuddled on the bed and just drowned. That's like such a hard scene to watch. That's like the worst scene in the That's... whole movie. That's almost worse than like <laughs> Rose pushing Jack off of the. Yeah, like yeah, seeing all the other people, like it just, yeah, that was awful. So now that you know that the Titanic movie had these people prominently featured, you must be wondering, well, who were these people in real life? And it was Isadora and Ida Strauss who were very rich and their money came from the fact that they were founding owners of Macy's. Macy's. And if you're wondering why we care about that so much, it's because we did a whole episode on like the pasteurization process of milk in in New York City and how that all came about. And it was all like tied into like the owner of Macy's, this particular person, Isidore Strauss. He was the one who was pasteurizing milk at Macy's to give to the woman. It's all connected. Before pasteurization was a thing (laughs) that people did and they realized that milk was going bad. He was like, I need to get pasteurized milk into the hands of the people and I'm going to create a little milk bar in front of Macy's (laughs) for the women. And I'm going to teach them how to pasteurize at home and I'm going to give them 
an opportunity to get pasteurized milk here. And I'm like, it's all connected. All connected. And here we are talking about him today as one of the victims of the Titanic. If you're interested in hearing more about the milk in New York City, you can go back and listen to our episode 55. And this will all make sense of how this is all tying together. And while you're there, you guys can leave us a review. <laughs> Kelly, you found out that the actor who played this man, Isidore Strauss, in the Titanic movie, he just passed away recently. Well, I thought he passed away today. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, holy crap, Titanic news just keeps coming. But apparently he died in May of cancer. Uh, not sure if I'm going to say his name correctly, but Lou... L.E.W. Poulter, he played the old man, is Isidore, that was in the bed with his wife in the movie. But on Instagram, it came out today on E! News. And so I, like, of course, send it to you. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, he died today at 94. And he died in May. Still last month. Right. Well, it's interesting because we just read something about how Stockton Rush, when he was first going to start taking passengers down to the Titanic because he had done like other dives in other locations that were shallower to other wrecks first. He wanted his first passengers to be actors from the movie Titanic. So <laughs> I wonder, I haven't looked at the passenger Good. registers for all of the voyages that he made down to the Titanic, but Lou, maybe Lou Paul got on one of those. <laughs> You know, imagine him reaching out to Leo and Kate Winslet. And then being like, yo, my homeboy, James Cameron <laughs> over there, he's got his own stake in his own company. And it doesn't look like it was fashioned together by Home Depot materials. So I'm going to go with him. But thanks. Thanks for the invite. Oh, that was a lot in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming in hot. Sorry, I was very wound up about this whole thing for days on end. I was at the edge of my seat. Just I couldn't even believe it. And I was taking all this information in. And then my husband got home from work that day that this all came out. Mm. And I was like, have you heard about the sub? And he said, no. And I was like, <laughs> let me tell you about the sub. And I just like went in and I was just giving him fact after fact of information. He was like, no, you're lying. No, you're lying. It's not controlled by a fucking Xbox controller. No, you're lying. Does your husband not go on Instagram at all? No, he works. He owns a well, company. I know. I know. <laughs> so did Stockton Rush. <laughs> so Stockton Rush, I've had a real hard time with this because he has a wife and a family and children and of course. So as a human being, you're like, oh, my gosh, you feel terrible for him. But then there is no shortage of direct quotes from this man that are just absurd and they just fly in the face of safety. And he just didn't give a fuck. He was out there just trying to bully his way into the industry by any means necessary, except the proper protocols. And we know what the end result of that was. We know that he's disregarded safety protocols. So there's a million quotes mm -hmm. about that. But the piece that I found so interesting was his end goal. What his end goal was. And I saw somebody talking about it on TikTok. And then I found the article from 2017, which someone did an interview with him. And he was talking about his ultimate goals and his plans for the company. And at this point, I don't think he had made his first Titanic voyage yet. But he had done other um wreck, shipwrecks he had done other wreck visits right i think one of them was like off the coast of nantucket um right something to that effect lesser depths because those subs weren't able to handle the the depths that you would need to go to to get to the titanic his whole plan of using these billionaires to go explore the titanic was all just means to an end it mm. wasn't like this wasn't the end goal for him and it says i'm going to quote this article here Eventually, as the pool of wealthy, adventure-minded travelers willing to take a dive in a sub dwindles, Rush hopes that his submarine technology will be well-proven and he can start to con contract with the biggest of the high rollers, oil and gas companies. The biggest resource is oil and gas, and they spend about $16 billion a year on robots to service oil and gas platforms, he explains. 
but oil and gas companies don't take new technology. They want it proven. They want it out there. The Titanic trips helped make the case, showing those oil and gas companies that his, his technology works while making a profit, something the company hasn't quite done yet. We'll be profitable with the Titanic trips, says Rush. The Titanic is where we go from startup to ongoing business. So basically, he was just using these billionaires or whoever mm-hmm. was going to purchase a voyage sure. on his Titanic excursion, if you will, as a way to fund proving the technology. Right. They were in an experimental vessel. Yeah, I said like they're like little mouses in a cage experimented on. Yes. He was using them experimentally and their money to be able to continue to do the voyages so that eventually he could take it to the oil and gas companies and be like, you want proven technology? This is proven. This is my track record. And now I can go and make the real money. I find like doing these Titanic trips too. like, I'm sure it's awesome to go check it out. But like we said, why can't you check it out on like a screen on like a bigger boat (laughs) that's not underneath all that water? I think it's kind of screwy to use these Titanic trips down to the Titanic for like money and for profit. Because I like James Cameron, like he went down for like research so he can do his movie for profit. Like, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> As I was saying that, I was like, "Yeah, the movie's gonna make his profit too." But I feel like James Cameron truly like loves the Titanic and all of that. <laughs> like, oh. I mean, this guy could have had a love for it too. His wife was a descendant, so right, 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 right. But it. it the difference between him and James Cameron and the company that James Cameron is associated with is that the safety protocols and the cutting corners and all of that. Yeah. So it's it's the ability to want to just build this out of nothing and not have any regulations apply to him and go against industry norm and industry standards and proven technology and just go and be like, oh, I can do it cheaper. I can do it faster. I can do it my way. You know? Yeah. He wanted to MacGyver his way down to the Titanic. He also, in that same 2017 article, said like, he, he just had this like adventure sense about him. And his initial mm-hmm. passion was trying to go to Mars. And he wanted to go to Mars, but he couldn't conceptualize what the economic benefit was to a voyage to Mars. Let's flip it. Let's just go down yeah. deep into the ocean and explore there because I can see the end goal being oil and gas money. How much does Jeff, I know Jeff Bezos and they go to the moon, right? What is he charging people? <laughs> he went up, what, for like less than 10 minutes and he came back down. It was like something crazy like that. They've done a bunch of those trips. And one of the guys mm. who died on the Titan submersible had done a Bezos trip in yes, the rocket. Hamish, the British guy. William Shatner also went on the, the Bezos rocket. I like William Shatter. <laughs> oh, it's just so much money to go and do these things when, like, the world is literally on fire every day. And these people are just throwing their money. I'm confused because I'm, I'm pulling up different figures here. And Blue Origin and SpaceX are different, right? It says a SpaceX ticket is $55 million a piece. <laughs> For the rocket ride and accommodation, all meals included. For $55 million. <laughs> You got to pack a brown bag lunch. Imagine. <laughs> Accommodations and meals included. What are we, an all-inclusive resort? Yeah, like you're getting like a little pack of space food that's like freeze-dried and you shit in your space suit. Like that's where your accommodations are. You said, do you have to tip? (laughs) Oh, can you turn the iPad around (laughs) and click on no tip? I'd like to return safely from the moon before I hit the no tip button. That's all I'm saying. Majority of those things that ask you for a tip, you have to tip before the service has even been provided. Yeah. 
the amount of times I went into the fucking bagel shop and this fucking guy was working there and I just would tip him because I just thought it was like the right thing to do. And he fucked up my bagel order every single time. And I was like, <laughs> what am I tipping for? Like, this isn't even the right bagel. Like, this is not the right thing. <laughs> I know I tip every single time, too, but it's kind of ridiculous. Oh, I've been starting to hit no yeah. tip. I'm like, I can't. I know, nobody got time for this. I know. <laughs> I know. Skewed is like not even barely making a bagel for me correctly. <laughs> like, it's not going to tip. Aside from all the memes, the funniest single piece of information that is real life that I tripped upon <laughs> is a text message exchange from Stockton Rush to a Las Vegas-based father and son. This guy, I guess, had been in talks with Stockton about potentially going on one of these Titanic voyages, and Stockton was pushing hard to, to make the sale. He was trying to make the sale. And they must have been either on the fence about it for a long time or whatever. I don't have the entire text exchange, but I have his... Just a couple of text messages. And it's enough. It's enough. It's pure <laughs> it's enough. You, can, you can fill in the rest with your imagination. Okay, so I got this from an ABC News article. It starts, this is a Stockton Rush text to this Las Vegas man. Friday, February 3rd, 2.14 p.m. Yeah, very stupid. The pressure is over 100 million pounds. No sperm whale or squid is ever going to be able to mess with the sub. While there's obviously risk, it's way safer than flying in a helicopter or even scuba diving. There hasn't been even an injury in 35 years in a non-military sub. I'll send an email with what happened when a swordfish attacked Alvin. He gets no response. Two days later, Sunday, February 5th, 12.33 p.m., he writes again. Any progress? Question mark. FYI, deepest depth for sperm whale is less than 3,000 meters, and we are larger than its mouth can open. And then there's a link to an article. It's like, quick questions. How deep can a whale dive? HTML. And the response from this Las Vegas man back to Stockton Rush was, not yet. I'm really not concerned about getting eaten by a whale. I'll set up a Skype call to answer questions. Yeah, I'm not concerned about eating, getting eaten by a whale. <laughs> My concerns are, are we going to implode? Not, is the vessel too large to fit in a sperm whale's mouth? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that wouldn't even be a fair of mine, I think. Like, if I was doing this, I wouldn't think, like, a whale is going to come and, like, eat us. Or, like, a shark's going to come and eat us. My only concern would be, like, am I going to die because this thing is going to break on us? That would be my concern. Am I going to get concern lost? Only? In the, is it going to break? Am I going to get lost in the bottom of the ocean forever? Is it right. going to implode? Valid concerns. Yes. The fact that this man was literally, like... I don't know, out here sending Encyclopedia Britannica articles to people <laughs> about sperm whales and the depth they can dive just shows that he has no he had no concept of what the true safety risks were. He's trying to sell this. And instead of just being like, here's my actual safety information, if you have any concerns. It's like, here's something I learned the other day on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> it's wild that there's like zero fucks about safety in all of this. Oh, and then I, I I get it. And I, and I know a lot of people like, who cares? It was billionaires. They spent their money, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I understand that. But like, still, like people shouldn't obviously die. And I feel bad for the 19 year old that apparently, I guess, didn't want to go on this, but went because it was Father's Day. And so, and so I get it. Like, based on their own money, they knew the rest. But you would think, like, still going on this, I would have, I would hope, like, my my dude here <laughs> would have, like, confidence, 
like I would have confidence in knowing that, like, okay, he knows what he's doing. Like, this is safe. This has been down here a couple of times already. Like, I should be okay. But this guy had stalked and didn't give a shit. This Las Vegas guy says that I think what sealed the deal for him was that after he didn't respond after this whole sperm whale incident or whatever, Stockton flew out to him in Las Vegas in a plane that he built himself. Ain't a paseva. Nika me vida. And the guy was just like, all right, this guy just fucking showed up here in a fucking home-built plane. Like, this, Oh, my God. I ain't going. Like, he clearly has his own perception of safety, and it's not the risk I'm willing to take. Right. And there are, like, actual people that are, like, risk takers. Like, they don't, I don't, they, like, get off the whole risk and stuff like that. Like, people that jump out of planes or swimming with sharks and whatever crazy things they're interested to do, like scuba diving, or like deep sea scuba diving, stuff that I wouldn't do. Even though I did jump out of a plane, but I'm not a risk taker at all. <laughs> um, so there are actually like people that enjoy doing that. Like they they feed off of like the risk of dying. And so bil- and billionaires, I feel like are uh, susceptible to it because at some point you have nothing else to spend your money on. Nothing else in life gives you a thrill. So there's a whole club of these people called the Explorers Club. And it's like a whole like, secret society. I don't know what the fuck it is. American-based international multidisciplinary professional society with the goal of promoting scientific exploration and field study. When there's too many words <laughs> describing something, you know it's not real <laughs> or or safe, I should say. So like... How pretentious does that sound? Yeah. The Explorers Club. And it's just rich people meeting in New York City to go talk about what other thrill they can get from spending their money, I guess. I don't know. But this guy that died on the submersible, Hamish Harding, was part of the Explorers Club. But then you have other people that are like either members or honored by the Explorers Club. And it's like James Cameron was one of them. So it's like, it's only stupid if you die. The people who are still alive, it's like, you're not looking at them in that same light. It's weird. Right. Neil deGrasse Tyson was honored by the Explorers Club medal. I mean, he's definitely like science exploration, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, say, like, I know he's very sciencey, but is he a, I'm going to get into a sub. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's physically, <laughs> physically exploring the black holes. <laughs> He did win an award in 2000 for a sexiest astrophysicist alive. <laughs> no. <People> magazine. <laughs> really, people? Really? Yep. 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 Let me look him up again. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't see that, though. The James Cameron piece I thought was so interesting because obviously I knew he had directed titanic and i knew he had probably visited the titanic as this was all coming out but he was doing a video and this was when they were still presumed missing Mm -hmm. he was like getting interviewed by the news or whatever and he was kind of just weighing in with his experience because he had been in submersibles down to the titanic wreckage right and just like and everyone's like listening to him and you're just like listening to his expertise because he's talking about the things the way you're supposed to do them correctly versus how it had been done for the Titan. And then he just like casually plugs his own company. <laughs> it's like a competitor of the Titan. And you're like, what is going on here? And it's called the Triton. And you're like, <laughs> no, stop. You have you have to be making this up. Like they're all like the same name, pretty much. <laughs> the Triton, the Titan, the Titanic. If you did like a family tree, it would be like the Titanic in the middle, and then those would be branching off. (laughs) 
So I just thought that was so interesting because I'm like, is this man just plugging his own company? Like, is, is he using this as an advertisement for his <laughs> own company that he owns stake in? If you got a free trip down on his, would you take it? Not even if you paid me. <laughs> There's something about going that deep in the water. Like, I don't mess with we went to Disney World together when we were like 20 <laughs> and they had like a little pool at like, I don't know where this was, maybe like Typhoon Lagoon or something. I don't know. Is that a park? They would give you like snorkeling gear and they would just basically just put you across this little like four foot pool and you just had to you just had to like float on the top of the pool and go across. But I don't think they gave you a life jacket of any kind and you couldn't submerge into the water because the snorkel had to stay sticking up at the top yeah. and they told you not to move not to kick your arms and your legs because you would like disturb the fish that everyone was trying to look <laughs> at and so i'm just trying to figure out how to like have this snorkel thing in my mouth and just like dead man float across the top of this thing and i got out <laughs> the other side i was like i didn't see a single fish because i was just <laughs> Focusing on staying alive across this little shallow pool at Typhoon Lagoon. <laughs> I'm dying because anytime I've been on a trip and there we do an excursion and it's oh let's go snorkeling, I'm I'm dying half the time because I'm just trying to survive. I'm like I didn't get to see no fucking fish. I didn't get to see any animal creature because I was just trying to fucking swim and keep afloat. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with all those like snorkeling things. Like I did it with, I did it in the Florida thing. I did it when I went on a cruise and I did it in Thailand. I'm done. Like I'm done snorkeling because I never see anything because I'm just trying to live. Do you know that on my Facebook, like (laughs) yesterday, is a memory? (laughs) No, an advertisement comes up. ill-timed advertisement (laughs) underwater scooter rides in bora bora and it's like (laughs) that that yellow scooter with like the helmet that goes over your head so you could breathe (laughs) it's a real thing i know like that it's a real thing and it came across as a real live advertisement and i was like i can't tell if this is just so (laughs) ill-timed like these people had scheduled this months in advance and they it just happened to come out now or if they were like trying to capitalize on the attention (laughs) and they were like you know what we should really promote right now our underwater scooter line I am good. I am good with that. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I went to the comments immediately, ran to the comments as fast as I could on this advertisement, yeah. and it did not disappoint. It did uh, not disappoint. The comments were everything you would hope they would be. <laughs> I love, I just, I love the comments on everything. It's like the first thing I need to, like, I need to go read is the comments. Oh, people are so witty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of, memes and comments and all of that people haven't really known how to feel about the memes that have come out about i mean the memes were they came out hot they came out fast and furious the internet doesn't disappoint i mean you look at the memes and you just how do people think of this shit is hysterical but then there were people kind of condemning that behavior and being like the memes are really inappropriate and sad and blah, blah, blah. And so a lot of people came out and talked about like the whole psychology behind it, the psychological behavior of why people think it's OK to make fun of this particular situation. Mm. And it's because they perceive the billionaires in the vessel as their oppressors or just you know, a representation of their oppressors in this life, in this world. And so that's why that they are collectively finding humor in these memes. And that's fine. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. I guess that's a bad, (laughs) bad um, saying to use. But then I saw somebody point out that the Titanic, when it sank, had no shortage of people writing 
nasty headlines about it at that time in 1912. And so people Ah. were just pointing out that this is nothing new and that we collectively as a society have always poked fun at (laughs) the misfortunes of the rich. Uh, It's like history repeating itself. There was a whole Twitter thread. If you just type Titanic newspaper into Twitter, it will come up. And it says they were roasting the shit out of the Titanic in the newspaper right after it sank. This is not a new development or a chance to stroke your chin about the dangers of social media. And then it has a whole thread of all Mm -hmm. the like headlines. And like you have to just kind of put yourself back into like the humor of the time in 1912 because you're just kind of like these jokes aren't that they're not funny. (laughs) Yeah, today's world you know but it's like it was kind of the titanic to provide a ballroom for the mermaids oh if you own a lifeboat now is a good time to sell it there is a big demand for lifeboats and the prices have gone up one of the beauties of aviating is that there are no icebergs floating in the sky (laughs) touche the adjective unsinkable like the word fireproof will be accepted hereafter only in an approximate sense (laughs) <laughs> they're so like shakespearean about like, yeah they insult people it reminds me of that commercial about the cootie queen and the lint liquor <laughs> oh my god like, yeah the way they talk <laughs> yeah. cootie queen lint liquor like what would they think of our jokes about it <laughs> like the 1912 people they were looking down. The memes of today's internet are so niche that like, yeah, <laughs> they would be like, well, what is even going on? This brings us to our nostalgic section where we're going to talk about the real Titanic and some little known facts that we just found out or maybe rediscovered. Maybe we forgot about these facts. I don't know. I've read this lovely library book. <laughs> and I'm going to share some information with you. Starting with J.P. Morgan, I don't know that I ever knew this fact, but I first heard it as, oh, J.P. Morgan was supposed to be on the Titanic and he wasn't. Same. Right? Like he ended up being one of those people who like miraculously was like, "Uh, you know, I'm not going to go and saved himself by not going on the trip. What I didn't realize when I heard that fact initially was that he owned the freaking company that owned the Titanic. Yeah, that I didn't know. He owned White Star Line at the time of the Titanic sinking, which was the owner or the company that owned Titanic. And that just like blew my mind. He had his own like box office area, not box office, but like he had his own private space on the Titanic. Ah, I'm going to sit this one out. (laughs) I wonder what made him sit it out. I feel like at one place I read that it was like he just got busy with work or something. was like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have time to go to America. (laughs) Not today. A couple of other interesting facts I found out just in general about J.P. Morgan. These have nothing to do with the Titanic, but I just (laughs) I have to throw them in because I know them and you need to know them now, too. When he was 15 years old, he got rheumatic fever and his dad was like, oh, no, whatever will I do with you with this rheumatic fever? And he was sent to the Azores. For a year to recover. It always comes back to Portugal. <laughs> 1852. What? Like the voyage alone. From I think he was like a Boston guy. He was in school in Boston. Yeah. So I saw that too. 1852. Like that's a ship. You, you're. You might not survive the ship to the Azores. Like what is the thinking there? Medical care ain't any better over there. I was just going to say, why not stay here in the States or in Boston to to get, like, go see your doctor here? Like, why the A-Source <laughs> out of all places? Doesn't that seem like a really strange piece of information? Yeah, there's going to be more into that. I need to look deeper into why they were sending <laughs> ill rich people to the Azores in the 1800s to recover for a year. Like, what does that even mean? He was 15. Who did he stay with? 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is JP Morgan Portuguese? <laughs> what team Maria took him in? It was tending to his ailments. A bruxa. A bruxa. I was thinking that. I'm like, did they send him to like a witch doctor maybe? That's exactly what this sounds like. Remember we when we went down that rabbit hole? Yeah. In our episode about witchcraft? <laughs> That's the only thing I could think of. Remember, people would... used to send people over there yeah. to get healed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to crack this one. We're on the case, guys. <laughs> Imagine if we just do one quick Google search and it comes up. <laughs> JP Morgan is Portuguese descent. <laughs> All right. We're going to pause for one second. As Melissa's going to do it. <laughs> we couldn't figure out why you would send somebody to the A source. No, we tried. <laughs> we, we tried looking. In 1852. Like the people were coming out of there at a rapid fucking clip and you're sending some guy in there to recover. And I'm just assuming maybe they sent him down to Bezos because it's warmer weather, warmer climate. But then Melissa <laughs> off air while we were looking this up was like, why wouldn't they just send them down south? So I don't know. We don't know why he went to Bezos. And I was just trying to figure out the timing because, like, the Civil War was, like, kind of happening. So, like, mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out if that was why he wouldn't go down south to some more. <laughs> oh, true. Um, but 1852 and the Civil War started in 61. So I guess it was still a bit out. No, but he did end up. This is a good segue because my last fact that I was going to tell you about him was that he paid a substitute $300 to take his place in the Civil War. (laughs) Wait, so he, like, avoided it altogether? But the low cost of $300. (laughs) Oh, the poor person that, like, took the 300 bucks. It's just a little character development there with that (laughs) tidbit. Out of this entire book that I read about the Titanic, there's lots of information, lots of facts, lots of things that I either already knew or just aren't that interesting. (laughs) The stuff I found the most interesting was this whole section on predicting the tragedy. And so there was a bunch of different cases of this occurring. One of them was a lawyer who had a premonition before the trip. It wasn't a case of like, oh, I had a premonition and I didn't go. He had mm. a premonition. He still went on the trip. He had another second, like, dream premonition while he was on the ship. And then he survived because the second he got whiff, like, he was on high alert because of his uh-huh. premonitions. So, like, the second he got whiff of, like, bumpity bump in the night and then they started you know, rumors that they were going to need to evacuate or whatever. Yeah. He was the first one in line. He was putting his life vest on immediately. Oh, wow. And he was running to the lifeboats because he was like, this is it. This is what I've been dreaming about. And he got out. Wow. (laughs) It's like final destination. But doesn't that go back to what we just talked about in our mental health? segment like a couple episodes ago about how the most anxious people are the most prepared in an emergency (laughs) absolutely this man lived this event twice in his premonitions and he was like i'm ready (laughs) like he already knew what to do (laughs) it's hard because like would you go if you got if you got a premonition before or even if you dreamt it in your dream it's hard to say because like yeah all my other dreams none of them have come true you know (laughs) Yeah, true, true. So, like, how do you separate, like, this one dream from the rest and this of your isn't dreams? The, this isn't the kids' book? Yeah, I mean, this was, oh, a very, wow. <laughs> this was a very interesting book. I don't know if it's a kids' book, but it was in the children's section of the library. It looks like it's for kids. Like, there's a whole, like, series of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful, though. Okay, so the next one... 
was a journalist who wrote a novel. He wrote a whole fucking novel about a ship hitting an iceberg and passengers aboard that ship were rescued by another ship captained by a man named E.J. Smith. Like he made this up. He just wrote a novel, made it up. Oh, hi. Before this Titanic happened. It's creepy. It's morbid. But then he bought a ticket to the Titanic and he boarded it even though the captain's name was E.J. Smith, the same E.J. Smith that he wrote in his book. Like, wouldn't you kind of be like, ooh, that's weird. (laughs) That's weird. He boarded the Titanic and the captain was an E.J. Smith that he just wrote about. The details were a little different. In his novel, E.J. Smith was the captain of the rescue boat that came when the ship after the ship hit the iceberg. But then he had a ticket to the Titanic and he boarded the Titanic and the captain was E.J. Smith, Edward J. Smith. Ooh. You'd be like, this feels a little similar. A little similar to the story I just (laughs) wrote that did not have a happy ending. That's too close to home. Weird, right? Yeah. E.J. Smith isn't like the least common name in the world, but. True. Yeah, Smith. And then, oh, so this journalist ended up dying, though, on the Titanic. He did. He died. R.I.P. This captain, E.J. Smith, captain of the Titanic, this piece of information fascinated me because I did not know this before. He crashed the Titanic's sister ship. There was like three ships built Mm -hmm. that were like um, the Titanic, the Olympic, and the Britannic. Yeah. And the three of them were like kind of sister ships and they were supposed to be this like trifecta of cruise liners or whatever you want to call them at the time. It's like six months before the Titanic's maiden voyage. This man is just driving the Olympic, a sister ship, which is like very similar to the style and size of the Titanic, the same body shape, function, whatever as the Titanic. He crashed it into a warship, the HMS Hawk. Both ships were badly damaged. Giant hole in the Olympic ship. E.J. Smith, the captain, was found to be at fault. But they still were like, yo, you want to take this other ship that's just like it on a maiden voyage? Six months later? (laughs) I know. I don't know how to drive a boat (laughs) or whatever. I don't even know what it is. I could never be a captain on a boat. But how do you hit a whole other warship? Like, I'm sure that warship's pretty big. Dude, how do you hit a whole other ship? When you're docking, when you're maneuvering, I don't know, but. True. Yeah, I guess. I guess. True. Well, the Titanic almost hit another ship when it was like pulling out of port on its main yeah. voyage. Like they had to delay the departure by like a bunch of hours because it mm-hmm. was almost crashing. The way this guy failed so hard at his job and they were like, want to try again? <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you one more shot. Maybe like they just didn't have like the problem we're running into today like they just didn't have enough people to work just the best we got (laughs) he was like the b team of captains because the a team was still at home collecting their stimulus check (laughs) he probably wasn't even like the captain on the prior ship he was just like involved somehow but it was his fault and then like (laughs) men tend to fail upward so, yeah. so then he becomes the captain on the next ship. I'm like, right. oh my god! Just like a priest, they just move them around to different <laughs> dioceses, different churches. <laughs> yep. There was a Scottish girl on her deathbed, and she was having visions of a sinking ship. And she was like relaying all this information on her deathbed. And this was hours before the ship had sunk, like same day, but like hours before it had actually sunk and definitely long before people had known that it was sinking because it took a little bit for the word to reach people. Right. And she even specifically said something like, and Wally was playing the fiddle as this ship was sinking. 
And there was a guy named Wally who was part of like the quartet that was like the band yeah. was playing as the ship was sinking. Oh, I get chills. I get chills. That one gives me uh, deathbed vision. It was insignificant information at the time. Like she's yeah, just like, rambling on her deathbed. And this, what do you do with that? You don't, <laughs> I know. You don't know you that don't that's do- actually occurring. It was not significant until later. Then they were like, oh, shit, is that what she was rambling about? <laughs> there was another book. I know we talked about one journalist who wrote a novel, but there was a, another book in 1898 titled Futility or the Wreck of the Titan. And it predicted the fate of the titanic almost faultlessly like it was so specific and the name wreck of the titan i know that's creepy knowing what we know today but the titan submersible just but even for titanic the wreck of the titan so 1898 retired merchant marine officer morgan robertson wrote a novel called futility or the wreck of the titan the book's description of a ship attempting to cross the Atlantic in record time, hitting an iceberg and sinking with the loss of almost all its passengers due to a shortage of lifeboats predicts the fate of the Titanic almost faultlessly. That's wild. Don't even get me started on the lifeboat situation. <sighs> Pisses me off to know that there wasn't enough. <laughs> Not only that there wasn't enough, but that they could have saved so many more people if they had just filled them up. Yeah. The lifeboats were getting lowered with like 12 people in them and they had a capacity for like 60. Yeah. So let's not go there. But my last weird predicting the tragedy fact, April 1935. So this is sometime after the Titanic has already sank. There's a ship called the Titanian. Why do they keep naming this shit like this? I know. Encounters an iceberg in the same area. Crew member that was on the ship had a premonition, like just standing right there, like full Wednesday Adams premonition. <laughs> you, did you not watch that? No. Okay. <laughs> the Netflix, though. And he yells, danger ahead, right before the iceberg came into view. They were able to just immediately pull the brake, <laughs> the brake, I don't know, the reverse. I know. What did it reverse, <laughs> Terry? We don't know nothing about boats. They were able to stop it. I don't know, put it in reverse and it stopped before it hit the iceberg. This guy who had this premonition and yelled danger ahead as he's riding the Titanian was born on the day the Titanic sank. Just just random. All these little facts are so creepy. But that's like a that's a cool one, though. Right. Like, he could say he was born the day of the Titanic, and he also pretty much saves a potential Titanic part two. The Titanian. Yeah. <laughs> In the same we spot, need- same iceberg, probably. We need to figure out why all these names are just so similar. But it's like, you wouldn't name your ship after something that's like a wreck, right? Like no. So, like, once the Titanic sank, why are you naming your like explorer ship the the Titan or the, yeah. the Triton or whatever it is? Like it's just too close. And like I heard that renaming a boat is bad luck too. If you buy a boat off of somebody, let's just say, and you change the name of the boat, it's apparently bad luck. Oh. That's what I, didn't I know that. I heard that, but I don't know if if that still stands for today. Like, I don't know if you're buying just like a a boat off Craigslist from a dude to have summer fun. <laughs> like, can you not change that name on it? <laughs> so while we were doing our research for this episode, I just looked up if there was any Portuguese passengers, <laughs> as you know, one does. So on Encyclopedia Titanica to um, Two passengers came up. A Jazz came de Brito. And the second passenger is Domingue Fernando Coelho. There's only a little bit of information on both of them. Domingue Fernandes Coelho was born on June 19th, 1891 in Torero, Ponta del Sol, Madeira Island, Portugal. <laughs> he had eight siblings, which are very common in Portuguese families. 
He was a single man working as an agricultural laborer. Dominguez was granted passport number 518 on March 20th in 1912 by the civil government of Fushal. His destination was New York City. Dominguez traveled from Madeira Island to England and boarded the Titanic at Southampton as a third-class passenger. So Dominguez Coelho lost his life in disaster. His body, if recovered, was never identified. And his parents received 60 euros from the Titanic Relief Fund. Which? 60 euros? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's <sighs> like nothing. <laughs> Do you want to know what that just reminded me of that I forgot to say? Yeah, go for it. The workers on the ship, like the crew, mm-hmm. they stopped getting paid the moment the ship sank. No way. So it was literally like, like their last paycheck goes through like 1.47 a.m. when the ship entered the water. That's so fucked up. It's not even funny, but it's just so messed up. Like, really? Isn't that the most fucked up thing you've ever heard? So the crew members that survived... If there were, if there were any, I'm sure, maybe I'm sure there was, but of any crew members that did survive, their paycheck ended at 1.47. Whatever the time was. Yeah, the, the right, yeah. Sank, yeah. But then obviously the ones that died, did they, I would assume their paycheck ended and did they give like the money to the families? I have no idea, but <laughs> probably not. But wow. Oh my God, it's so fucked <laughs> Why, but why am I not surprised at the same time? 2.20 a.m. 2.20. But it started, like, that's when it officially sank? That's when, like, the last piece sank, I think. Okay. And who's even keeping track of this? I know, side tangent, but who's even keeping track? There was a whole thing. Um... Of payroll on the Titanic. <laughs> Yeah, the ship is sinking, and who's even like, is the bookkeeper like you know, punching out people's cards? The forgotten crew, under the White Star Line's conditions of service, the Titanic's crew ceased to be paid at two twenty a.m. on April fifteenth, the moment the ship sank. Those who appeared before the U.S. inquiry received some expenses, but most were shipped straight home by White Star with little or no financial aid. Many of the surviving crew had to rely on charity or emergency shipwreck payments from the sailors' union until they could find another job. Meanwhile, J.P. Morgan is sitting in his (laughs) his fucking villa in in the Azores. I know. Freaking in the toe. Just that he was only 15 when he was in the Azores. (laughs) And the third class was like mostly like immigrants there was a lot of immigrant irish immigrants maybe um on the third class and they were just using Mm. like a one-way ticket to immigrate to america like our parents pretty much did that but they just did by plane and i mean like they were doing the same thing these people were trying to do but honestly everything i read in this book about the classes and what amenities they got and stuff and like how furnished and everything was even third class didn't sound that bad. Right. Comparatively to like an immigration ship that you would have heard about otherwise. Third class mm-hmm. still sounded fine. Like it sounded honestly kind of like what cruise ships regular interior stateroom would be like now. <laughs> and like the first class was obviously like lavish and extravagant. But like second class was like, I was like, this looks really good. This looks it's like a real oak bed in there. Like. It's just oh, so it wasn't like it wasn't maybe like how the movie portrayed it. I mean, I've been on a I'm cruise ship to... and it it wasn't great. Yeah, no, it yeah, wasn't your room... great. <laughs> Accommodations, they'd be considered third class on the Titanic for sure. Unless if you get like a suite with the balcony and you can like sit outside. No, we were in the the bowels of the boat. I'm sure. See? <laughs> That was so down below. As you've seen in the Titanic movie, there were a couple dogs on the Titanic. So, of course, I had to look up the dogs of the Titanic. 
And apparently first-class passengers were only allowed to bring dogs. And many of these dogs belong to prominent families. Most of the dogs did not live in the cabins with the family, and they were cared for by crew members in the ship's kennel. So Titanic had a kennel. <laughs> so that's where I would have been. <laughs> I would have been in there. And then some of the pets were even insured uh, because they were considered par- property. All right, so there's like one story about uh, a woman, Anne Elizabeth Ish- Isham. And her great Dane that she had, um, she visited her dog every day at the ship's kennel. And she tried to evacuate with her uh, great Dane, but it was because it was too big. She could not and she refused to leave the dog. So she got out of the lifeboat, which I respect. And then later on, when they went in after her to like look through the wreckage, it is claimed that she was there was a body spotted of a woman holding a large dog. And it's assumed that it's her frozen holding her dog and that she never like let go of her dog. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know. It's not it's never been verified or unverified. So I don't know how true that part is if they really did find. That makes me super sad. Just thinking about like what you would do in that situation. Like that's brutal. So the question that pops into my mind for this woman was. Did she have a husband and like she was okay getting on the lifeboat without her husband? But then like <laughs> they were like, ma'am, you can't bring the great Dane. And she was like, oh, fuck. getting off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're going to do just a real quick mental health kind of closing thought for today. And that is just with all of this wreckage and just disaster amongst the titanic and the titan there were so many instances like on the titanic like they got warned about the iceberg like i don't know how many times before and mm. they didn't do anything about it and obviously on the titan there was a whole bunch of situations where they were warned by like the person in charge of their safety that this was an unsafe material and all of this stuff unsafe construction not properly tested all of that And they chose to ignore it. And it just begs for people to just have the balls to stand up for what they know is right. So if you're in a situation where you're just kind of like an observer and it's maybe it's not your call to make, maybe you're just observing something from the outside. But the people who had the balls to stand up for what was right in these situations are the people that are sleeping good at night. Like the the guy who raised all the alarm bells, he got fired. He had to sue his his place of employment or like fight them in legal battles after he was fired for speaking up. But like he's sleeping well right now, knowing that he's not the reason that those people died and that he fought for right. to fix it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Vers- yeah. Versus some other people that may be employed by that company right now that maybe stood by and didn't say anything or were just complacent or we're just feeling intimidated by the presence of the CEO or by losing your job or whatever it is, you know what I mean? And they just kind of went along with things and these type of men in particular, like the Elon Musks of the world, they surround themselves mm-hmm. with yes men and it's just people who are going to tell them what they want to hear and people who aren't going to challenge them and that's that's what they want, that's what they're used to because that's what they get. Unfortunately, they by the amount of power and influence that they have, they don't get a sounding board that a normal person would have that would give you right. critical feedback. They don't get that, and they need that. These yes men are not doing any favors no. for these high, powerful men. You're not giving them the feedback that needs to be given. You're just going, you're agreeing, and you're like, yep, yep, that's right, yep, yep, you're, you know, agree. It doesn't, you're not doing them any favors. No, it's a dangerous place to be because if you fear the repercussions of kind of speaking that truth, like, oh, is, is, does this mean this person's going to like, you know, shun me, oust me, fire me, not promote me? What repercussions does it have for you? You have that fear of speaking up, but then what's the alternative? You know, yeah, are people in danger if you don't speak up? And so 
you just have to be able to be okay with making the right decision. Sometimes that's walking away. Sometimes that's, you know, raising concerns, whatever it may be, but you have to keep your peace and keep people safe. Yeah. Especially if it's. That's all we've got for today. Thanks again for listening, guys. This episode drops on 4th of July. So if you do celebrate, be safe, have fun. We'll see you next week.